0: talkradio.nyc. Welcome to At Home. I'm David Thirgartner, interior designer and owner of David Thirgartner Interiors right here in beautiful Manhattan. On tonight's show, Tools of the Trade Architectural Glass, my guest tonight is Daniel Stewart from the legendary Benheim Glass Company. Daniel and I are going to talk all about the use of glass in our homes today, including glass walls, glass stairs, stair railings, and the endless possibilities of glass doors and glass front cabinetry. I want to discuss transparency and reflection as an interior design tool and go beyond how and where we can use glass in our homes. And of course, a show all about glass Wouldn't be complete without including some of my favorite pieces of music from the great American contemporary composer Philip Glass. There's a lot to talk about, so let's get started. I'm not sure you can talk about architectural glass and not discuss the impact of the American architect Philip Johnson's ingenious glass house in New Canaan, Connecticut. The house, which ushered in the international style into residential American architecture, is iconic because of its innovative use of materials and its seamless integration into the landscape Architects and interior designers alike have had a fascination with the glass house since its completion in 1949. It was an important and influential project for Johnson and for modern architecture. This house, this glass house, is an essay in minimal structure, geometry, proportion, and what I think is so important to tonight's discussion the effects of transparency and reflection. The glass house is best understood as a pavilion for viewing the surrounding landscape. Invisible from the road, the house sits on a promontory overlooking a pond with views towards the woods beyond. Each of the four glass exterior walls are punctuated by a century-located glass door that opens into the landscape. To quote the architect, it's the only house in the world where you can see the sunset and the moon rise at the same time, standing in the same place. To say the least, the transparency is obvious. A simple 55 foot by 33 foot modern box that transcends its own glass walls to the world beyond. The phenomenon of glass in architecture in our house today is as recent as the past century. The first glass factory in the United States was built in Jamestown, Virginia in 1608 and set up purposely to import small bottles and vials back to England. In the early 1800s, there was a great demand for window glass, which was called crown glass crown glass and the other state of the art method at the time called blow plate glass tried desperately to keep up with the demands for residential and commercial glass use but that process was slow and had limits with quality and the and definitely had trouble with sizes large sizes it wasn't until the 1920s Just about the time that Benham Glass Company opened its doors that the process for what is float glass, a process used to create flat windows, did the world begin to understand the unlimited use for glass. Small glass windows became large glass walls and glass walls became glass ceilings and stair rails and doors. And in less than a hundred years, stone walls and plaster walls became transparent to the views beyond, to the urban landscape, to the ocean, our private gardens, and the kids playing in the backyard. Pivoting glass doors, glass rooms, and large facades of glass to find a new point of view and a design language for interiors. Transparency becomes a requirement for today's home. Reflection from interior glass bounces and illuminates our interiors. As we discussed several weeks ago, the value of a well-designed lighting plan, reflection from glass doors down a long hallway or glass cabinets in a kitchen or a bathroom or a library creates that constant flow of light illuminating and enhancing the surrounding interiors. Glass will be a characteristic feature of residential architecture and interiors into the future because it's the most direct means by which we can find the essential conditions for life, sun and light. The use of glass in our homes and our buildings will be responsible for restoring mankind to a harmonious relationship with nature through transparency and with each other through reflection when we come back my conversation with daniel stewart from benheim glass company this is at home i'm david thiergartner and we'll be back in 2 minutes <laughs> My guest tonight, Daniel Stewart from Benheim Glass Company. Daniel, welcome to At Home. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really really appreciate it. I'm so glad that you're here with us tonight. And, you know, I ask each and every guest the same question, which is, what is your meaning of beauty and, more specifically, what is beautiful in
1: your home? Well, focusing on what's beautiful in my home is my bed. Your bed, my bed, my bed. Because a, I love to sleep, but also it's because <laughs> my bed was given to me from my mother, and it is a, it is a classic wrought iron curved f- uh, bed frame that is both feminine and masculine at the se- at the same time, and it's so comfortable, and it's so it just makes the whole room together, and I love that I'm on a show about glass, and they say, oh, what's the best thing you love about your place? It's like it's not glass, no, it's my bed, it's my bed. I love it, though. That's sweet. That's wonderful. Um, hey, let's get right into it. Let's
0: talk and deal with some explanations. Let's explain what we mean by architectural glass.
1: So what we mean by architectural glass is um, basically larger panels of glass. Okay. Uh, in the stained glass industry, in the art glass industry, when most glass was made by by hand or mouth blown, uh, it was usually the average sheet size was about two feet by three feet. So about a five-square-foot piece of glass type thing is what you would maintain. In the world of architectural glass, then we're talking about a 20-foot square-foot piece of glass, a 40-foot square piece of glass, like something, you know, even nowadays, right now people are prototyping that a piece of glass in one single sheet can go up to 60 yards Oh my god in one single piece. How I won't would mention to deliver com- that. I have no idea. <laughs> um actually a perfect example is um I certainly want wouldn't want to replace it. Oh no. Oh no. The uh the Apple store I think it's on Prince Street. Yes. All right. If you ever notice if you walk in there and if you notice that they have a the they have the glass stair treads and they have the glass railings. All right, it's a two two story uh store. And if you notice the glass railings that go from the first to the second floor is one single piece of glass that's been laminated five times. So you have five pieces of glass that are bonded together to create a 30-foot piece of glass. Now, you've been on Print Street before. That's a very skinny street. Right. Yeah. I mean, try to deliver something like that, and I mean, it's glass. So you had to be very, very delicate on how to install something like that. And I first walked in there, I mean, it's just, it's regular clear glass. Like most people just don't even take two looks at it. And they're like, "Oh, whatever, it's a stale rail. But you realize that's one single piece of glass that's 30 feet long. Well, and that's
0: what we're talking about because the future is upon us and glass is a big part of that. Mm -hmm. And just so we know, we're talking about all kinds of different types of glass. So if we're talking about interior design, one of my favorite things, one of my favorite products of yours is laminated glass with Mm -hmm. either a fabric or a metal mesh of some sort that creates a pattern And just talk about a little bit about that and the other products that you offer. But what does it mean by lamination and how do you get fabric into glass? And just so everybody has a sense of how deep
1: we're going to go tonight. Sure. Well, the process of lamination uh, in glass is a form of safety glass. And simply put, it's taking two pieces of glass and then bonding them together. Okay. When you bond them together, that glue that you use is called an interlayer. That interlayer is used to melt in between two pieces of glass and then they all bond together and then so if the glass would break, those two pieces of glass would break but that interlayer would hold everything together. So a perfect example would be your car windshield. A car windshield is a laminated safety glass so if something were to hit it, the glass would shatter but everything would be held in one place by that interlayer. Now in the terms of the architectural industry and the decorative industry is you could pretty much laminate almost anything in between two pieces of glass. And the beauty about it is that since laminated glass requires two pieces of glass to be to be used, you can choose any type of glass you want to use to laminate together. So if you want to take two textures, put them together. You want to take an, a frosted glass, put them to a mirror, take a frosted glass to a texture, take a texture to a mirror, add a color to that. You could, I mean... The the it's it's limitless at that point. Like you could pretty much combine anything you want when it comes to that, and and that's the that's the beauty about the decorative laminated glass because it, with Benheim, that's become our bread and butter about how we combine different design aspects add textiles to it. Uh, I mean, again, we can add almost virtually anything in between the glass types,
0: and I think it's really transformed how we can use glass inside because I think everybody's familiar with clear glass, of course, clear glass kitchen cabinets or frosted, white frosted door panels. But in talking about the products that I like mostly from you, which is adding a sort of a, um, a mesh of type, uh, maybe in a cubic formation, um, I call it chicken hatching a lot of times, but it adds for, it It, it doesn't give you complete 100% trans transparency but it creates a pattern on the glass that's the kind of stuff that i think can transform a kitchen cabinet Mm -hmm. or a door that doesn't necessarily need to provide privacy but you don't also want it to be clear
1: or frosted yeah i mean we've we've laminated chicken wire in glass we laminated metal meshes in glass i actually had a client who um who physically gave me a box of turkey feathers they said i want to put this in glass and i was like are you sure She's like, yeah, and she she physically hands me a box of turkey feathers, and I'm just like, wow, this is weird. Uh, I'm like, okay, so yeah. we're gonna we're gonna laminate this this in glass, and she chose to laminate this with a combination of a green colored etched glass and a blue colored etched glass, okay. and we we sporadically put these turkey feathers, which were just like these white feathers, like really small two inch feathers, you know, in uh, on, onto the interlayer, and then we layer a piece of glass on top of that, and then we put it in a lamination oven, and then it melts.
0: We lost you for a second, Daniel. Okay.
1: Yep. There we go. There we go.
0: Yep. Say that one more time.
1: You had me at turkey feathers. Turkey
0: feathers, exactly. <laughs> we had you at turkey feathers.
1: So, um, so yes, the, uh, I had a client who said, you know, we'll give you turkey feathers to laminate in glass, and she chose these two types of glasses: green etch and a blue etch glass. And then we we layered these feathers onto the interlayer, and then we placed the glass on top, and then we put it in the lamination oven, and then it melted. And then she got this lovely green and blue-colored frosted glass with little turkey feathers in it, and she used it for her her cabinetry. And it's one of those eccentric ideas that you Specialty product. Very specialty. Very, very special with something like that.
0: And so, because you brought up a couple different things. Color, right? -hmm. There's an endless possibility with the amount of colors that you provide. And then if you laminate, uh, let's say, a color... Onto a texture, you get a whole nother series of possibilities to it. Or color onto um, the the fabric uh, pieces that I like so much. You get then a whole nother use out of it, and it goes on and on and on. So it, it seems virtually endless.
1: You do, you do. The but the, the the one aspect when it comes to color and glass is that. A lot of people think that in the stained glass industry, you know, you have you know 500 different colors to choose from, which is true in the stained glass industry because they're all made by hand. In the architectural division, it's very different is because um, the way architectural glass is made, uh, it actually was made by Sir Alistair Pilkington from Pilkington Glass Company today in 1959, and he developed what's called Flow Glass. Okay. Okay. Now, Flow Glass accounts for like 99% of every single glass type of every skyscraper skyscraper automobile everything that you see if you have if there's a a glass storefront type thing no it's float glass Mm. now float glass was a process about taking molten glass and pouring it into molten tin okay and what happens is much like how oil and water don't mix the, the, the tin and the glass don't mix as well. The, tin, the, the glass literally floats on top of the tin. It does not mix at all. It's completely viscous. Deriving the name. Float glass. Correct. Good. And so what happens is uh, Alistair Pilkington basically developed this industrial way to create a, a stream, a, a river, a flat, perfectly flat, pristine glass on an industrial scale that no one has ever been able to produce any better. Like this is this is the way this is the way to create float glass right now to create for anything with flat glass. Now, in terms of color, when it comes to that, you're dealing with roughly you know, thirty thousand square feet of glass per day in this production. Okay, and in order to give glass a certain color, you have to use certain metal oxides. Um, like for example, in stained glass, um, if you use gold, gold is a metal oxide that okay. turns the glass pink. If you use silver, because of the heat. It's because of the the way the... The The transference? The way the the, the metal is. The way the metal actually reacts with the glass itself. It turns it pink. Uh, Silver turns uh, the glass orange. Selenium turns the glass red. Cobalt turns it blue, and so on and so forth. So you have all these different metal oxides with it. So on an industrial scale with float glass, you're dealing with a lot of material, and there's a lot of money to be put in to make a colored glass. So they narrowed it down right now to four colors in the architectural glass industry you have gray and bronze which your two most popular tints and then there's blue and then there's green and that's it there used to be an amber uh, I believe there was also a magenta or purple color that kind of went out and then uh, there's also clear and also a low iron glass which takes that greenish tinge out the glass out the out the glass itself so th- those are the only colors that you're dealing with when it comes to architectural so when we're adding color to glass like if somebody wants you know a magenta colored shower glass door or a lime green you know mirror we're not getting that color from the glass you know we're actually introducing it to the interlayer in between the two glass types because a we can change the color we could Tweak it to exactly what the what the client wants. Um, we have more more leverage. We have more leeway with that. You know that's
0: fascinating. Of... So if I wanted lime green kitchen cabinet mm-hmm. fronts, then that's the
1: process of which. That's the process with that because nine out of ten times you're not going to find a glass type that is that nice lime green color where the glass itself is the color itself with that.
0: I think we showed on Instagram some really beautiful orange tangerine colored glass cabinet fronts that. Would follow that same process, so that's cool. Listen, because Benheim has such a New York history, certainly all of us in the trade has you know depended on Benheim, you know forever. Just give us a little uh, overview of the history and the legacy of Benheim Glass and the architectural and interior design
1: trades. Benheim has been around since 1927. Um, Benheim started out as this like mom and pops. Um, a uh, stained glass distributor shop out in uh, on Horatio Street, where uh, you had uh, actually we had stained glass that were cut and uh, distributed amongst the community from enthusiasts to hobbyists to anyone who really wanted stained glass, and we grew into a company that we are today. Now, f- for example, um, we our glass our our stained glass was actually used in the Statue of Liberty torch. Okay. Originally, before you know they turned into those golden gill type things, right? So if anybody uh,
0: can remember, it was a stained glass flame, it was a stained glass that flame, leaned. but yeah, that's a lovely mm-hmm. legacy, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so if you go actually to the Statue of Liberty Museum, you'll see uh, you'll see that actual torch that's mm-hmm. still preserved and has the same glass, and that was Benheim glass, you know, that was used in the actual torch. So, like, yeah, we do hold a bunch of history. Uh, in this city, and not the city in this nation, our glass was also used in the White House during the restoration in the 1980s. Uh, they used our restoration glass, which is um, it's a mouth-blown glass that's used to give the same look as a restoration older style. You have little bits of distortions, little bubbles here and there, type thing.
0: Some waves, some
1: you have some right? waves and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, which. Um, I mean originally it was it was hard to one of my uh, favorite things by the way. It was one it's one of my favorites too. It's in my own home. And uh, it was it's it was hard it was hard to sell, uh, which uh believe my boss tried to sell in the eighties because you know, regular flat glass, I mean, it's cheap. It's very inexpensive. And they came with this with the mouth mouth mouthblown restoration style glass. And they would talk about the, the the price for this glass and they would scoff at it, like this is just regular colored glass and my bosses who were much more smarter than I am, you know, we're able to market it as this pre- prestigious restoration-style glass, which is the only style of glass you can get in the United States without your your, your backyard mouth-blowing mouth glass neighbor. Without you know, doing if, it yourself. If you have one, you know.
0: It's in my kitchen cabinet, so I know it Great. very well. Um, listen, let's just talk about some of the roles and benefits of using glass today because I think it is, you know, as I like to say, a new part of a lot of people's tools materials and in, in their tool bag and and um um certainly i have expanded my thought on glass dividers and glass interior rooms and uh work, you and i are working on some glass tabletops for a custom piece of furniture that i designed um, so' it 's really become just a, a material that is needed and is important in the interiors what how, how are you seeing it what What are the clients coming in and asking you What are the designers and the architects looking for specifically inside the home?
1: Oh, my God. I mean, for
0: pretty Pussy much sandalyes?
1: pretty much anything. Uh, if you want to use it for, again, for a tabletop, for a backsplash, uh, for your cabinets, for your door dividers, for a window partition, for floors, believe it or not, which I, I try to talk clients out of, out of doing. Um, but that's
0: the Apple Store effect. Not I mean. so
1: the Apple Store. They would take a painted or color-coded glass, mm. and they try to use it as a floor tile, mm. which clients have used before. Mm. Um, but, again, you're dealing with glass on the floor. Um, it's again, it's been done before, but, uh, to each own risk. Um, and the sidewalks
0: just, this is a little side note for me from Soho and Tribeca, but the sidewalks of Soho and Tribeca used to have what we called glass sidewalks, which were medallions of glass inside of a metal frame and so you could see down into the subterraneans from that well, there's still some those little rondelle, uh, little rondelle, rondelle things. type yep. things yeah you, you yep. still see those you yeah. still
1: see those yeah they don't they don't make those anymore. <laughs> that's not the
0: kind of glass floor that we're talking about now <laughs> no no no
1: there's there are two types of glass floor there's one where it's actually they actually uh use it as a tile format where they'll just take glass and lay it on a substrate to actually act as a floor and then there's other aspects of flooring where uh it's structural well, which much is like the Apple store where you see like that, where you see that yeah, it's triple laminated and it's heat strengthened. And you have to get an engineer involved to, to, to really give the makeup with that. I mean, thankfully, I've been in the industry for so long that the makeup has not changed. And it's usually always the same. It's either triple, quadruple laminated, first layer is heat strengthened. Um, and the way they, they construct it is, I mean, it's just beautiful, beautiful, but... Yeah, it's um it's the, the possibilities are endless when it comes to glass in the interior home. I mean um most most of the time my clients come with me, it's mostly for a backsplash. Um they'll come, they want that nice seamless look behind the stove and whatnot. Um sometimes be usually for doors and occasionally, you know, they a lot of times clients when they come to use glass, they always say the same two things to me. And they always say that, you know, I I want some light to come through the through, through the glass, but I want some privacy as well. And it that it limits your choice in what you can use for glass. With that, glass is usually that's meant why I
0: like the mesh a little bit. It kind of
1: gives you both. The mesh does give you a little privacy, a little bit of distortion to it. But the good uh, good two rules, if you want privacy and you want light, is a texture texture or rolled pattern glass will definitely distort it. The other one is going to be. Uh, an etching or frosting with it on the back. And it's going to be, it's going to, it's, it's going to distort s- some of that image uh, images behind the glass with that. Um, I mean, a lot of times where they say that I want to block 100% light, you know, in the glass itself. And I'm just like, why, why are you using glass? Like, That's not the nature. It's like, yeah, you uh, use some wood, use some mahogany, use some marble, use some something like that. Glass, no. Glass is its own beautiful creature, you know? I think one of the things that has happened recently
0: and and maybe in my career in the last 20 years is that one of the things that glass has, why glass has become so important is back to uh, what you were talking about earlier about safety glass. We talked about this before. Safety glass or tempered glass. This idea that the kids aren't going to go through, you know, when I was a kid... You know, everybody was worried about a kid flying through the sliding glass doors, going out to the patio yeah, and stuff. Yeah. We're not in that situation anymore with glass and especially with interior glass. Now that- and that's important if, you, if you're thinking about using glass inside.
1: For that, I could talk for the next 15 minutes about that. <laughs> um, but we don't have that. We don't, sure. have, we don't have that. But I do want to talk about that okay. because that's actually really important.
0: And maybe more importantly, and we will we'll come back to that, but maybe more importantly, it's just the idea because I think parents and designers and architects are nervous about that. And to know that that's something not to be nervous about, that glass can be a material inside your home and it is saved and can be used, I think is a really um, exciting um, design choice and is important to know about that that listen daniel and i are going to jump into the future when we come back um, and you are listening to at home on talkradio.nyc
1: listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
3: Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc.
2: Do you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. 24 hours a day.
0: Talking to Daniel Stewart from Benheim Glass Company. Take a look at uh, Benheim's tremendously easy to navigate, very informative website, which is simply simplybenheim.com. And they're on Instagram at Benheim Glass, at Benheim Glass. Um, and then, right before we take some questions from our listeners, make sure you send your questions to David at David Thirgartner Interiors and put in the subject line at home, and we'll answer those questions in a couple minutes. So, um you guys have been around for ninety years, almost a hundred years. Um you're growing, you're doing significantly better, let's say, than Sears and Roebuck is, I guess you would say. <laughs> and um but Benheim is preparing to open a, a huge new facility in New Jersey. And what are those capabilities and what will be different about that sort of large um,
1: capacity warehouse factory for you fabrication uh, well we've uh, we've recently we we're just moving from uh, an eight eighty thousand 80,000 square foot facility to a 145,000 square foot facility so uh this move is massive for us and um uh, it's also uh it's you know I've I I've, I've never been in the logistics of moving a factory before you know of uh, of taking uh, machinery deconstructing it, moving it, putting it back together and whatnot. Uh, it's its like the guys who do it, like I, my hacker was off to them. I can't believe that uh, that kind of work and logistics is, is involved with that. But, uh, you know, you know, tip to them. Um, I know that when we
0: talked about my, what I would say, six-sided, faceted tables that I was making, you were saying, oh, in just a couple more months, we would be able to do that so much easier
1: in New Jersey. It- <laughs> Yeah, once once we move to uh, to our new facility, we're gonna have so much room for more equipment. And uh, right now, we just uh, we just purchased a new cutting table, and uh, this new tempering oven, which is like the Ferrari of tempering ovens. Right. With that, we actually just bought in the first last time I was there, we got in the first jumbo pieces of glass. And when I say jumbo glass. We're talking uh, pieces that are eleven feet by eighteen feet in one single piece, and comes in multiple sheets of glass. Wow. I mean, this pal that I saw was like eight thousand pounds just of raw glass being wow. put in. Um, the space is huge; it's huge, and the potential of what uh, what I'm hoping that we get, you know, in terms of, you know, we'll we're, we'll have our new, our new back painting line in there. Um, we'll have our new CNC, new water jet in there. Um, I'm hoping i'm trying to twist my boss's arm and get a new dip tech machine in there for new printing and all that stuff so and to print on to actually glass. print print on glass, which is much that.
0: like the back painted glass concept yeah. kind
1: of yeah it's almost like a concept of it's like there's like a screen print where it actually gets like mm-hmm. screen printed onto glass on that um which would I mean, our capabilities would be blown out of the water at that point. Yeah, I mean, virtually anything you want. I mean, you want photographs, anything? You want a portrait on a piece of glass? (laughs) Done. It's easy. Yeah, yeah. And we'll have use it as a backsplash if you want to. If you want the Mona Lisa behind your stove, Abraham Lincoln. It's his birthday today. That's that would be wonderful.
0: But you guys offer because we've talked a little bit about it, and again, I want to encourage everybody to go to the website because it's so easy to navigate and it just gives you everything you possibly need to know about what what you can do with glass but you do a lot of fabrication and of course and then you'll do more in new jersey but you have installation systems that people can purchase and consult with you guys about you do all kinds of consultation work you'll even do drawings if need be right to create whatever uh, somebody's ingenious mind has decided that they wanted to have
1: well right now we have these uh, these two systems for for installation uh right now it's um one for exterior, and one for interior. One the exterior portion is called a rain screen system, which actually comes with the hardware. It actually creates a rain screen system out of glass that clads the outside of buildings. A good example would be in the new um, Hudson Yards we actually did for one of the uh, one of the uh, larger lo- uh, lo- lo- rooftops done in all glass, done in our, in our rain screen system. The other one is called the turnkey system, which is very similar to the rain screen, but done for interior. Now, it's a wall cladding system, and it, what it is, it's you have these extrusions that get drilled into the walls, right? And you have these little keys, almost like H-shaped or U-shaped keys, that hold the glass from the top and bottom. And you can choose virtually any glass type you want to clad the entire wall with that.
0: Yeah, which is my new goal, is to do exactly that glass. I'll call it wall paneling, theoretically, right? Um, but it, it's an amazing, and you guys certainly make it a lot easier to make that
1: attainable. We've come a long way. Um, it was mainly, Benheim, we're, we're fabricators, right? We, we will design the glass and fabricate the glass to any style you want within the physics of glass, all right? Um, we don't necessarily install the glass ourselves. We actually work with your, with your contractor or your glazier to to do it. Uh, we've developed some relationships with some local glaziers that have done business with us in the past. So if you, you know, you need a, a, a recommendation, it's like, all right, we'll throw this guy if you want to, want to work because he's purchased our glass before and installed it. Um, but again, anything you want to be done to the glass, whether you want, You want a colored mirror. You want something antique. You want chicken wire. You want a fade. You want a gradation. You want the Mona Lisa printed into the glass itself. By all means, why not? Right. And you
0: want to use it and whatever you want to use it for. You want to use it as a backsplash. You want to use it... Um, as furniture, if you want to use it as the back of behind a bathtub, uh, any behind possible behind a bathtub, and a shower you door.
1: Have. You want a coaster. I've actually made coasters, but just for friends. But it's uh, it can be done. It's, it's,
0: that's what I want everybody to walk away with tonight. I was going to ask you any sort of trip. Uh, takeaways that you can give to everybody listening but the idea is that it's almost anything you possibly can think of anything that you want we've gone so much further than just glass doors and glass cabinet fronts it's 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 there's just it's a limitless as far as your imagination can take you you and i talked about one of your projects in texas that use chicken wire glass as their countertop which
1: was very fitting for texas yes uh it was a texas barbecue bar which sounds fantastic to me and you know it fit perfectly because it you had we had this chicken wire that was mirror backed with a texture on top and they use it for this bar top i mean you look at it it just screams texas the whole culture of texas is in that bar top right there and it came out phenomenal um and that's only one of the many aspects with it and in fact with Chicken wire glass in, in New York City, in this city, was um, heavily specified by the local school system. You know, you have the old Public style, school system. All public schools. You have the old school chicken wire in the old public schools. And I feel that that style has kind of rubbed off on the kids because... It, With with chicken wire glass, I've learned that it's twofold. It's either that people look at it and they have this nostalgic feeling that they love it and like this. Like, I want to use it in my home to, like, get that away from me. That just reminds me of school. Like, like I'm done. I'm done. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay. (laughs) That's so funny.
0: But, I mean, again, just the possibilities are endless. And with that, um, because you and I have had these wonderful conversations, you were were recently telling me about um, an artist who – Pulverizes glass and and makes what I guess I was gonna say architectural wall panels are certainly pieces of
1: art. Yeah, yeah. It's a process. Um, it's a process called slumping glass, and now slumping I love slumping glass. Yeah, or just commonly melting glass together. What they do is is uh, and they could do this for countertops, use for wall applications, and the process is ingenious yet simple at the same time. They'll take sheets of architectural float glass, which is regular clear pieces of glass that are cut. And then what they'll take is a, a things called cullet. Now, cull it just simply means broken glass. They'll take any types of colored glass and they'll grind it down into a powder or a sand, okay? And they take that powder sand in a cup and they simply... Pour that uh, that sand on top of the the, the flat glass itself. And so they're
0: they're in a studio. Are they at your fabrication facility? No, they're they're in their own studio. They're in their own studio, so they have a a pane, a, a flat float piece of glass. Quarter inch piece of
1: flat glass, flat glass, and what they'll do is they'll take that collet, that broken, pulverized glass. Could be virtually any color from stained and glass or whatnot. They could paint with it. They could pour it onto it, create whatever design wow. they want to it. And it's literally, like in a, in a plastic cup, just pouring molten, you know, this, uh, this 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 porous glass onto it. And what they'll do is they'll take another piece of architectural glass, the same size as the sheet that they poured it on. Okay. Put it on top of it, and then they'll repeat the same process. They'll pour some other of the, the powdered glass on top of it as well. Put another sheet right on top of that one. And then keep repeating until you almost have about five or six pieces of quarter inch glass laid on top of one one another to create roughly, you know, an inch and a half thick of glass.
0: So you're creating all this
1: depth. All this depth, all this layering. And then they Put it in a furnace in this kiln and they melt it together. Oh my God. And it becomes one solid piece of glass. And uh, they'll use this CNC machine to polish the edges to basically give it that look that it's one solid piece of glass. And you look at it and all the colors are all in the glass. And it's beautiful and phenomenal and soup like ridiculously heavy. I mean, this, this stuff is like, you know, 40 pounds a square foot. In this and you have one shot at moving this. Yeah, you know, that, lifting I mean, that's up heavier around. than stone. Yeah. yeah, much heavier than stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or steel at that point. Well, like yeah. It's it's um. You, but at that point, you're dealing with art. You, it's artwork right there. That's somebody that, that that can never that kind of process. You can never recreate that same design. And I want
0: you to tell us a little bit more, but we're running a little bit out of time. So I want you to get into your tempering conversation if you can. So I'll just encourage everybody to go to Benheim.com. There's a whole section about projects. Each project is listed really, really well. There's a lot of different photos and stuff. And so you can get a real idea of of how to use glass. I I have a hundred more questions, but I want to let you talk about that. Because I think for interior residential use, this is an important point.
1: No, it's extremely important, especially if you, if you want to specify glass in general as interior designer or as an architect. Uh, I mean, glass is a very dangerous uh, material. I mean, if, if broken, I mean, we, everyone knows glass. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. Uh, now, there, to keep it simple, there are there are, two, there are two types of safety glass by code. One is tempered. The other one's laminated. And that's it. Those are the only two aspects of safety glass that you have. Now, tempering, tempering is a heated process where they take annealed glass. Annealed glass just means non-safety. It breaks into large shards. It goes into a safety, it goes into a a tempering oven where it heats it to about 1200 degrees Fahrenheit. And then it's going to, it's going to uh, cool the glass down into a quench, right? So you basically have, you're going from something like a, something that's extremely hot to something that's extremely back down to room temperature, okay? What this does is that it cre- it makes the glass four times stronger than normal annealed glass. However, when tempered glass breaks, it shatters into that quintessential little dice-like pieces mm-hmm. to minimize any cuts and injuries. That we've all seen. We've all seen. You see the whole thing pop in front of somebody, and all of a sudden the whole thing shatters to little pieces. It's designed that way. To minimize any cuts or injuries in the glass. So you don't have any any daggers or swords coming at you made out of glass. You have these little bits of dice pieces with that. That's an aspect of safety glass. And laminated glass, it's just simply two pieces bonded together. Sort of like the windshield of your car. Exactly. A if, if perfect example, windshield of your car is uh, laminated. Your passenger windows are tempered.
0: Okay fantastic there we have it daniel it seems like we have run out of time and we were just getting started and i have about 20 more questions to ask you but listen um so does everybody else we have some questions coming in from our listeners would you stay with me and take some questions absolutely great this is at home and david and i or daniel and i will be back in two minutes <laughs>
1: You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
0: The best designs for your life start
1: talkingalternative.com
0: Daniel, let's take um, some questions we have coming in here. Um, Here's the first one from Francis JK. Thank you for the show. Really enjoyed it and appreciate the conversation. We are preparing to build our new home, and I'm worried about the amount of glass or the amount of oversized windows that we have designed facing west. Is this a concern, and how should I deal with so much sunlight?
1: Well, in concern for the oversized piece of glass, no, you shouldn't be concerned with that. Uh, what your window provider should be using is some sort of a low E coated glass on that. Now, what a low, key, low E coated uh, glass is is basically it gives this this uh, pretty much like a UV stable coating on there. So if you stand in front of your uh, your window, you're not going to get a sunburn if the uh, the sun is hitting you. It also control temperature. Uh, uh, it's control temperature as well in, a, in an IGU. Uh, In terms of how much light that is coming through the large window, no, have that option. I mean, hell, the curtains exist. So you want to have that option where if, like, hey, you want to have a large window with that uh, to let in all that light to it, no, do it. Have that option. You know, if it gets too strong, buy some curtains and throw it in there. But, you know, listen, you have the best of both worlds at that point. You know, that's a beauty part of glass is that, you know, you let in the whole nature of light. And outside into your home, without the detrimental effects that nature and light has to offer with that. So you get the best of both worlds. I say do it, Francis.
0: I was gonna say because I mean that was so much a part of the whole show in the opening about the transparency of you know being able to see into our world into nature around us. it sounds like a pivotal part of the design that the architect and you're creating um, and just so everybody understands. We're not necessarily talking about glazing on the outside. In other words, if you're in the backyard by the pool, you're not looking at bronze, glazed mm-hmm. windows on the other side. That's not what you were discussing
1: uh, about tinning the glass. No, with tinting the glass. Tinting the glass is actually tinting the whole color of it, uh, which can completely transform uh, your window or your look with that. You were uh,
0: doing the infra, the the E rating, which allows it to remain itself clear, but then take the damaging rays correct, out of it. Yeah. Correct, correct. And that's low, an important distinction.
1: Yeah, with I mean, you can't, with the naked eye, you can't tell what's a low E or not. The only way to tell that is if you put actually polarized sunglasses on and you put it on. You look at your window, and you tilt your head back and forth. You'll see this iridescent coating onto it. You could even see it on some windshields because windshields are also low-e coated as well.
0: And so is every major architectural building that most we most of them are, yeah. That mm-hmm. we know of. And then Daniel hit on it a little bit, but but an architects. I don't. Hmm. Uh, I do want to say you need to think about possible window treatments and how uh, they get installed. If there's been a set. conversation about um, what kind of solar shades that you're using what kind of draperies you're using that all has to be a part of the window or the glass wall design that can't be an afterthought and um, and I know that through experience so you know make sure that when you're working with the architect you're also figuring out how you're hiding those window treatments are they going up into a well what's happening with the window treatments if in case you actually do need them at some point during the process of the day, you know. So a lot to think about, have a serious conversation with your architect. Thank you so much for your question. Mm-hmm. This is Peter from Florida. I'm inspired by your conversation to, pr- to replace the glass fronts in my cabinetry in my kitchen. Does the specialty glass come in the same thickness as plain, ordinary, clear glass from the 60s? We hit upon that just a little bit.
1: So in terms of... Because that the, was, what, quarter-inch, that glass, co- right? No, no, yeah. Quarter-inch basically has been your default thickness when it comes to glass. And even in the flow glass industry, quarter-inch glass seems to be the norm. Even the windows that you see, in, even in the city here, are mostly all quarter-inch. Your cabinets have a little bit of a leeway with that. Um, most of the cabinets like to use a thinner piece of glass, usually going from the thinnest to about one-eighth of an inch to the heaviest to about a quarter to three-eighths of an inch very rarely they'll do three-eighths of an inch thick because i mean that's that's very that's a heavy cabinet at that uh the old school glass with the wire glass into it those were about a seven millimeter so if you go into imperials you're about um about a five-sixteenths thickness with that which they call a heavy quarter inch in the industry um but yeah there's actually there's in terms of a norm with that, I would say quarter-inch is the norm. But so he
0: doesn't necessarily have to replace the frames to hold the not glass. Not necessarily. No, there's
1: gaskets for. to fill in all that uh, all that spacing with that. Sure. Sure, you could use almost anything.
0: You guys talked, this is from Earl B. You guys talked about glass behind a range. I'm fascinated
1: by that. Uh, it, so glass can handle all that heat? Uh, put it this way. If you have a Viking or a Wolf range oven... Do not put glass behind there. Just don't. Uh, Wolf or Viking range oven has like 19,000 BTUs of heat, um, which even if the glass was tempered. Uh, the glass will survive it, but uh, most people use either a mirror product or a color-coded or back-painted product behind, uh, behind the stove. And while the glass will be fine, that coating on the back, either mirror or paint, that could discolor over time, especially if you, if you cook, if you use the oven a lot. Um, that could definitely change the color of the glass, uh, especially if you use the uh, the self-cleaning mode on a lot of some ovens. I actually had a had a client had this uh, frosted bronze mirror behind a stove, and they put on the self-cleaning uh, uh, device on the oven, and apparently the self-cleaning goes up to about like 800, 900 degrees, Nine hundred, and it blows all that heat on the backsplash. Because yeah, it vents out. Yeah, the glass broke. Yeah, that's correct. So um, it's
0: a really good question, and It's so timely too, because I have a project right up from the studio on 82nd Street here in Central Park West, and um, they were sort of anti-Viking, anti-Wolf. Uh, they they love their old stove that they had. It was a part of the design to keep that stove.
1: If they had the old conventional stove like that, then no, they could put glass behind there. That's so fine.
0: We you know everything was programmed out, everything was designed out, everything was drawn out. We're in construction cabinetry is being made and the stove dies and we can't get the parts because it's an old stove now we're upgrading the stove but there was a glass backsplash behind the stove and that whole elevation on that wall so i was very leery about continuing with that glass because we went to a viking range yeah and so we had to change that spec but viking and wolf any of the industrial stoves any, let's say that yeah any the industrial um, looking stoves burn much hotter uh, than um, everything else. Um, here's a question from Carl B. I've always loved the curved or rounded glass storefronts from my childhood. Is it possible to get that glass today?
1: Of course, yeah. Um, to curve glass, what uh, it's a, it's a slumping method, and what that is is that all glass, like I said, with float glass, comes flat. Okay. And in order to curve that, cut that piece of glass, what they do is they create a mold based upon your radius of your curve, okay? And simply what they do is they take that, that mold and your piece of flat glass and they put it in an oven, like a tempering oven, all of that. And what they do is they heat the glass up to a malleable point where it starts to slump and then take on the form of that mold, based upon what that radius is so yeah that's how they do curved glass so some of the sometimes they do it by hand but on an industrial level that uh, that mold is what they they currently use right now we're trying to find out if they could do tempered and curved at the same time on an industrial on a, a, a architectural scale uh i have failed in that uh process i've only found it you could laminate it for safety not temper but the search continues I
0: don't blame me, I've always liked that. I've always been fascinated by the old stores that still have it. They don't exist very much. There's a couple in Southampton I know that still have it and up in Hudson in the Hudson Valley, there's a couple stores that still have it that are probably ninety years old. Oh yeah, no you can still old. do it um whatever now. If you're wondering why you don't see it very much, it's because what Daniel just described is a very expensive process. It's No, it's not cheap, yeah. <laughs> so um, it, it's not so much you can't do it, it you just might not want to. No, it. they'd
1: be like, oh, I love that look, and your budget's like, no, nah, nah, you don't. <laughs> to pay for it.
0: Daniel, we have come to the conclusion of the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for what having me. What a pleasure. I hope everybody uh, got some great information and some benefit out of our conversation tonight. So thank you again. I want to thank everyone here at talkradio.nyc. And I also want to talk, uh, thank my friends at the Glass House for their valuable information on the show tonight. Go to uh, their website glasshouse.com. It's a fascinating property. And uh, I think you'll enjoy taking the tour, even if um, you do it on the website. Schoolhouse Number 6 Productions, I couldn't do it without you, and I wouldn't want to try. Benjamin Keegan, thank you for my music. And remember to follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at home with DTI. Take a look at my website, Interiors.com, And join me next week as we talk to Master Carpenter Bob Sherman from C-Square Contracting. Stay tuned for the Noreen Sumter Show, Beyond Potential, live life your way, and until next week on the radio, remember the best designs for your life start at home.
2: Do you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host, Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin, together we have over 15 years' experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc.